When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Scott Bass. Good morning. Is it even morning? No, no, it's not. <laughs> well, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, now's the time of year where we direct people to neatessentialsusa.com to their outerwear uh, section specifically. Obviously, wetsuits are needed this time of year as well. But if you're going to the mountains, you need outerwear. Dude, the puffy, the like super sick puffy, warm one with the warm black puffy jacket with the hood. That thing is so toasty. I know. You know, and it's crucial for these mornings here in SoCal. It's been 45 degrees in the morning. I've been cracking it at dawn the last couple of mornings. And just knowing when I roll out of bed, I can put that warm, puffy, friggin' black sun just bakes on it. Because my inner, I think all of us, but for sure me, my inner core needs to be toasty before I even get out of my car and deal with the cold temperatures, I need to be like nine, I need to be sweating so that I can enter the water and be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That thing, it's like bringing your blanket with you from bed. It's like you never got out of bed. What's not to like about never getting out of bed. It's like a snuggly. It is. Um, I wear mine every morning as well when I'm walking my one-year-old and by the end of the walk, I'm stripping the thing off. It's like, I desperately need it when I leave the house. And then I'm desperate to get out of it by the time I get home. And you're right. It's the sun baking on my back. That's kind of doing it. Um, unzip it halfway through. And then by the end, I'm just like, ah. but yeah, that thing's legit. Obviously people around the world are laughing at us that we're complaining about 45 degrees because <laughs> they're in New Jersey right now or wherever, but that thing is legit for New Jersey too. You know, like it's built for you know, real proper weather. So, and it's one of three, by the way, kind of, uh, they have three jackets, like one light one, then you can layer that down over it. And then a shell that can even go over that, that is waterproof and for skiing and snowboarding and all that. So go check it all out. Neat Essentials, you know, their wetsuits, but check out their outerwear as well at neatessentialsusa.com. And then of course, uh, waterwaystravel.com for any and all of your surf travel needs. Yeah, you know, a great example of, of pulling the um, surgical strike that occurred last week and frankly is kind of occurring right now as we speak. And that's flying to somewhere on the East Coast or to Europe to maximize the swell that's in the Atlantic Ocean. This is something that Kelly Slater did. We saw um, Parker Coffin. We'll get to both of those stories later in wow. the show. But I mean, you know, pull the surgical strike, get a hold of Sean and his crew at Waterways Travel. And bang, you're surfing Puerto Rico, you're surfing Barbados, you're surfing Morocco, you know, and it's, this is the, the surgical strikes are when you need to have experts at your fingertips going, you know what, this is happening here, this is happening there, blah, 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 waterways travel. I know, great point. And this is, in any other phase of life, any other area of life, you would pay a premium to have experts guiding you if you needed a personal shopper, let's say, you know what I mean? Whereas these guys, these guys, it's actually going to save you money. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. 
uh, by utilizing them. So waterwaystravel.com gets our highest recommendations. They've been leading the surf industry for 30 years at this. So, yeah. As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail, a clean entry. This thing holding open, it spits. Uh, when it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got Yeah, God. Yeah, God. Yeah, friggin' God. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass with you. We're talking spit on this Wednesday afternoon, a little bit after the noon hour, December 14th. And uh, David, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Scott. Thrilled to be here. It's thrilling. Um, I, you know what is thrilling? I got the sweetest DM after last week's show. From one Lane Davy. Oh, I did not know this. Fill me in. I know. I've been waiting to tell you. Um, she DM'd me and she's like, hey, I don't listen to podcasts, but Bob, uh, somebody, Bob Hurley, I think, then sent it. Bob Hurley listened and then he sent it to, I think, Sean, her husband, and then yeah. Sean shared it with me. Um so it found its way to me, and I just wanted to say thank you for the acknowledgement, and specifically to Scott. She's like, it jogged my memory. When I heard his name, I was like, I know his name from somewhere, and then I realized where I knew it from, which was Surfer Magazine, and um, she's like, I really feel honored that he would have remembered me and remembered my name and all that sort of stuff, so she was very grateful. Oh, well, that's cool, and you know, Frankly, she deserves the kudos. The reason that I bring her up is because I sat on the beach for five or six years at Pipeline and I watched her go out and surf and she was on it constantly. Like it didn't, you know, her name didn't pop into my head by happenstance. She was charging. She was fully engaged and committed to that wave. And so I'm stoked to hear from Lane. And of course, Sean, Sean was an old friend from Surfer Magazine and Sean actually helped me I was, I was, and still am a complete kook photographer. Mm. And I would, you know, back then at the turn of the century into the 21st, 22nd, what, 21st, right around the year 2000, 2000, between 2000 and 2006, let's say, was when digital photography was happening and there were still a lot of film holdouts. But Sean was eager to sort of um, wrap his hands, wrap his arms around all sorts of technology. My point is, though, is that Sean was kind enough to help me. And there were many photographers that were like, you're a kook, you will always be a kook. And then we don't show kooks what to do. And that's fine. But Sean was like, hey, you're kind of a kook. Let me show you what to do, (laughs) which was very cool. And uh, I always appreciated his a little bit of mentorship that he gave me. And another guy that was like that was um, I spent just one day with him, but he was helpful. And, you know, you always remember, I've heard something recently is that um, so it's something along the lines of, um, you know, people remember how you make them feel. They don't really mm-hmm. remember what you say, but they remember how you make them feel, you know. And Sean Davey, Brian Bielman, these two photographers made me feel like I was welcome. And um, and again, it was just in passing. It wasn't like I spent, you know, weeks with these guys mentoring or, you know, being a men- mentee. But uh, anyway, um, stoked for Lane. and. I'm sure she's still surfing hard. 
Well, it turns out I had a back and forth with her and it was engaging enough. And I learned enough about her that I actually uh, recorded a podcast with her. Oh, cool. And, and uh, I'm blown away. I'm totally blown away. I'll give you a quick overview. She has two master's degrees. She's working on her, um, she's actually done with her dissertation. She's just editing it to get her PhD. She's a professor at University of Hawaii at Manoa and um, an English professor. And she's uh, established a couple of classes that are about surfing literature at the college as well. So that's her contribution to that. But she came, even before surfing, she came from the hip hop background. She grew up in Seattle and her parents moved to Hawaii. And um, she was like moved begrudgingly because she was so entrenched in emerging hip hop, which was brand new then. And um, she was like a legit break dancer on the street. So, I mean, her saying this, I kind of... Uh, had the awareness but i never really thought about it but hip-hop it would there'd be breakdance battles they play hip-hop music in the street <laughs> and they have a breakdance battle you know and she was one of the original breakdance females and um her pumas are yeah. in the smithsonian shut up that's epic yes. are you kidding me that's so great no so she she kind of a theme or under undertone of a lot of our conversation was that she really does feel underappreciated by the surf world and under acknowledged by the surf world, which is why it was so meaningful when you mentioned her name, but she does get recognition in the hip hop world, which she, you know, is grateful for. Yeah. Um, but anyways, aside from the whole hip hop thing, she ends up on Oahu and is dedicated to pipeline for the past 30 years. She's 52 years old. She still checks it every single day. She still paddles out. If it's eight foot or bigger, she'll paddle out because her body is kind of uh, letting her down and she has to really pick her days and she wants really good waves essentially to mitigate against the um, wind and the wipeouts and stuff like that. Uh, so she's still surfing it. Um, but she, from my estimation and the way she tells it, She's one of the most dedicated surfers at Pipe in the past three decades. Not, not just the most dedicated female surfer, but among the most dedicated surfers, you know? She's in a very kind of rarefied air of commitment to that wave and um, had tons of stories to share about, certainly about like the persevering all of the harassment and all that sort of stuff, but also just about how the wave has changed so much over the decades the hierarchy and the whole culture of hierarchy, how much that's changed over the decades. So an expert about pipeline and uh, tons of stories to tell. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I, I, I can't wait to, um, hopefully I'll be able to engage with that podcast because there that is actually quite fascinating, the culture of the hierarchy of pipeline and how it's changed through the decades and, and how there's been, um, there's been, full-on established hierarchies that then for whatever reason move on and there's moments of void and vacuum that get filled with this chaos, which is the feeling I think we're in now. We're in a sort of a void and a vacuum where, you know, the John Johns and the J-O-Bs and, and some other guys probably bearing me, some other guys who I don't even know because I haven't been there in 10 years, but they maybe aren't um, acting with the sort of uh, 
you know, for lack of a better phrase, yeah, you know, they're they're not kind of at this point they're the ones that need to be kind of laying it down because they're the ones that have the respect, and 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 you could even say Kelly, and I, but again, I don't know what's happening in the water. I just sense that there's a vacuum and there was a void. You know, there was a time when I want to say like um, like Davy Miller, and and there was there was just a time when there was a vacuum, you know, and it, it was right around, I want to say like, yes, exactly. And um, I don't know. I can't remember all the names, but it just feels like we're in one of those vacuums right now and somebody needs to step up. And it sounds like, um, is it Makai Pang? Makana. Makana Pang is sort of like throwing it out there like, hey, man, it's, well, not, it's I- out of control. This happened on December 7th, so I think it was the day that we recorded last week, but I'll read the Instagram post for those who haven't seen it. Um, It's a photo, so Photoshop from the water at pipe, Makana's on a left, so it's looking into the barrel. Makana is pulling into the barrel, and there's a surfer where he should be duck diving right there, but he's not duck diving. He has his board. Uh, next to him and he's just got his arm kind of hugging his board so he like paddled up the face of the wave and instead of pushing his board and duck diving through the wave he slipped intentionally off his board to dive under the wave and just held his board in his hand which of course he's not strong enough to do so the force of the wave pulls the board back into the barrel where Makana's standing and the board does connect with uh, Makana's face Kind of the fins and the tail of the board hit Makana right in the head and knock him off the wave. So it's a sequence of photos. Larry Haynes actually posted the video, the exact video from the exact same angle on his Instagram account, which is Fluid Vision, if you want to check that out. Um, and Makana takes to Instagram and he says, yesterday afternoon, hate to be the guy with the paragraph rant, but look at this shit. I've gotten in the way tons of times at Pipe. It happens but if you can't duck dive your round nose square tail plug on a four foot day, then what the hell are you doing out there? This wave has taken more lives than any other wave on earth and inexperienced people paddling out because they've watched all the perfect pipeline vlogs on YouTube makes it twice as dangerous. Any of you that have uh, went out on these past couple of swells have had a moment where a person or persons have gotten in your way just by paddling. Um, maybe uh, you are even the guy getting in the way and you are the problem. Nearly every set last Friday was littered with random people in the way of the boys while paddling for waves when there should have been a clear runway. Two thirds of the guys placing themselves underneath the locals don't even belong sitting there. The only people that should be sitting underneath the tops dogs is the next generation of local teens. Just because you don't see guys getting teeth knocked out on the beach like like happened before, doesn't mean that the amount of respect for the wave and people out there has changed. Be aware, and if you are a part of the problem, kindly get out of the way and do not paddle out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty gnarly. I mean, you know, part of me is thinking, you know, we're in that culture now where, where, you know, everyone's got a cam. There's 15 surfline cams. There's everybody's got a phone. Um, you know, I know that on that thread, um, uh, Kala chimed in, and you know, frankly, 
I think Kalaw would tell you he was one of the prime enforcers with the whistle. Um, this was around 2000 through 2010, maybe those 10 years. And there was footage of Kalaw beating the living shit out of dudes, you know? And I think you can, you can't really get away with that legally these days. Like that stuff's going to find its way to court. Of and course, so yeah. we're in this weird space, which you and I've talked about here in California. Of course, it's been like that for a long time, but it seems like in Hawaii, for whatever reason, you could still kind of get away with it, even when, you know, even in 2005. But now it feels like, you know, it's just, I don't know how the regulation of the lineup occurs these days. Like, because at some point well, it it's going to be, be two guys yelling at each other on the beach and somebody's going to throw a blow. And that's where that guy's going to be guilty. Like that's the first yeah. punch and you're guilty with the first punch and it's just not well, going to be good. So, and then screaming at each other in the lineup. I don't know. That may or may not work a pipe. Again, I I've never surfed pipe. I have no, I'm not the guy to talk about how to get it done, but I think um, it needs to get done. And you know how it could get done is if, if somebody like Jamie O'Brien or Nathan Florence, these guys that have these really powerful vlogs on YouTube, spend a little bit of time going, Hey, we need to talk about this. Let's have a serious conversation and do it. You know, like think it through before you start filming, like do it with, with, you know, conviction and passion, of course, but with smarts, you know, with, with uh, empathy for all involved. I don't see it happening. I think the cat's out of the bag. That's not what they do. And even if they tried, they're not going to stop the influx at this point. Um, so there's just a much bigger cultural thing happening and it's a lot of me, 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 and it's a lot of people overestimating their own ability level, you know? So they're just thinking, Oh, whatever Jamie's talking about right now, that's not for me. I can go out there. He's talking to somebody else. So, yeah, um, and, but the thing is it's, I don't surf pipe, but it, it's one of those spots. Like we've talked about Malibu in the past, where it's kind of past the point of regulating. It's just so, there's so much attention on it that I don't see I don't how you get it know. back. I think I, I think there's still hope. And I again, I'll say it's through these guys that, um, that have the public's attention. Yeah. Even if it doesn't work, that doesn't mean they shouldn't try. You know, I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying try. I'm saying get together, you know, write out a script that, that makes sense that's not, you know, stupid mm -hmm. and, um, and give it a try. Cause Malibu is not a, you know, like, like, uh, Mr. Pang said, people die at pipeline. People don't die at Malibu. Well, I'm not saying that the waves are equal in that way. I'm just saying that the popularity of the spot has drawn so much focus and attention that you're going to get idiots that are just clogging the place. Yeah. But even, I think and, the, and they might be the ones who end up dying actually. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how you go back unless surfing just gets less popular and then you can regulate it. But when there's that many people, there's no order to it, you know? Yeah. There were some funny comments on that thread too, because most of them were like, yeah, man, this is bullshit. But Howley's going home, blah, 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 whatever. And then there were some people that were like, Hey man, the ocean's for everyone. You can't tell me I don't, I can't paddle out. I hate and those people. I know. And frankly, Gosh, did you happen to see, I saw a thing on Instagram that same week, I think, where North Shore lifeguards were going, hey, you're not allowed to paddle out here. This is not, you, you're you a kook. They literally called him a kook, and, sh and rightly so. And said, you, you don't get to paddle out here, man. You don't even know Good. which leg to put your leash on. 
You're right. And they were that's kind of, they were that's kind of who should be. At him. That's the person. Those are the people who should be the creating that hierarchy, the gatekeeper. Absolutely. And we saw that footage last year of them shaming those guys on wave storms that clearly were not equipped and they were about Maybe to that's what i pipe. saw maybe somebody reposted it but i saw something last week and it wasn't guys on wave storms but it was guys who were clearly vulnerable adult learners you yeah. know from like germany they were like what you're talking about what do you mean right. you know like didn't you know yeah but anyway yeah well another thing um i had a bunch of thoughts about this i'll try to organize them but makana talking about it's not even people that are burning. It's not kooks that are burning other people. It's kooks in the runway, you know? And Lane was talking about that too. She goes, you weren't even allowed to sit inside. Like there was no sitting under the ledge. And now everybody does because John John can knife in on his 6-0, you know, when other guys were stroking in on a 7-2 out the back. John John kind of re- imagine the whole thing so now everybody sits on the inside she's like back in the day nobody sat on the inside and if you did you would be in the way a set would come and you'd be in the way and that was even worse than dropping it on somebody and makana's saying everybody's there everybody's just clogging the lineup they have no idea where to sit and they're blocking so when the boys are paddling for a wave it's before they even get to their feet they're paddling through all of that chaos and getting blocked which is just totally disrespectful and I happened to um, to watch the pipeline cam those couple of days. It was pumping. It was all time epic. Kind of like I'm not sure if it was opening day or opening week of pipe or what, but it, it was really good. And and it was full. I mean, it was brimming, brimming full. And uh, so yeah, there's an issue there. I'm not sure how to address it, but I think we, well, we did our best to well, sort of nudge, nudge people along towards the right path here. One other thing I'll say is. Um... I hate the people that say the ocean is for everyone. Like, <laughs> and, and the reason why is duh. Yeah. We know the ocean is not owned by anybody and everybody is welcome, but this hierarchy that exists out in the ocean is orderly. It's about, it's, uh, it's the ultimate kind of meritocracy. And it's the only place actually in my life where that still exists in a very natural way, in a logical way. And by the way, natural, like from the way that nature kind of created the order of things, because on land and everywhere else, it's all rules that are dictated by the government, dictated by the tax man, dictated by the bosses, dictated. And I have to live within these rules and understand that. Out in the ocean, it just makes perfect sense. The ones who have the most experience, who have spent the most time, they know the most about the way this ocean works, which is dangerous, which could kill you, and they're going to share that information with you. It's a finite resource. They have first access for those reasons, and then they're going to teach me how to have access as well for this super pure, super fun, super frivolous thing that is, you know, where we're all centering our life. So that hierarchy is virtuous. And it's precious. And that's why we love it, you know? And so for anybody else just to be like, uh, to not even have any respect or awareness for that is they're doing themselves a disservice. Not only is it ignorant and disrespectful, but they're doing themselves a disservice because that is the only place where you still can enjoy all of those things. And by the way, benefit from all of those things. You know what I mean? 
And so when they just chime in from Instagram, like, oh, it's for everybody. I'm just going to show up and take mine. Or even if they don't say that, even if they just think, oh, it's for everybody. It's like, no, duh, dumbass. That's what we love about it too. And you're overlooking all that comes with that, you know? Yeah. Look, I mean, you've stated some high-minded and agreeable ideals, you know, and you're right, except for this concept of hierarchy suggests that somebody needs then that owns that authority within that hierarchy to do something about it. And nobody is. And as much as I absolutely cringe at the idea of a government entity like the lifeguards or the County of Honolulu or somebody giving out cards and going, look, there's 25 spots between, you know, this time and this time. And when you come in, give me your thing and I'll hand it to the next guy in line or however the system works. Are we at that place now where we actually have to hand out, you know, slots, tickets to get out there like a basketball court? Look, there's only five on five. There's 10 people that are allowed on this basketball court. It's just the way it is. I, I don't know. You know, and again, I cringe at the idea I know. of somebody having that power, you know, like it would only be ideal if it was somebody with so much altruism, like it was Lopez or somebody that somebody that, that we could all go, you know, that guy's the guy and he's also not going to be corrupted and he's not going to take bribes to give to, you know, like the whole thing could go haywire really quick. So who's that guy that, and I don't know, I don't know who has the authority to go, you know what, 20 guys, here's the 20 guys. And, and like, you know, if I walked up, he'd look at me and go, dude, you're 57. And you've got a belly. You're go over to freaking Chun's. You belong at Chun's. You know, like who's that guy that tells me to go to Chun's? Is it the lifeguards? I don't, you know, now, you know, you're getting into some really weird legal places too, by the way. I know, but that is what the round nose squash tail paddler, that's where that, that class of people have put us in that position. Everybody who's saying the ocean's all for, it's for everybody. They're the ones who have now, just given the power over to the government entity to make that decision for us because they wouldn't abide by the natural order. You know, I agree, but, but let me just say that, are we at that place though? Like I totally agree with you. Wouldn't it be great if the hierarchy worked, but it is not working. That's the problem. Yeah. I'm not saying we're, you know, I agree with you that the reason we got there is lame. You know, how we're at this place now is not perfect, but it seems like, we're at that place unless there's some last ditch effort by the guys who are at the top of the hierarchy to, to like, I mean, let's just start with a huge community meeting at sunset elementary and just kind of start talking it through, you know, like it's got to start somewhere, invite the mayor, invite the lifeguards, invite the community, you know, invite all, all the heavy hitters have to be there. You know, the, the guys that are the main players right now, maybe you know, I don't know. Maybe we have a subcommittee that forms. It's got who knows, you know, reef yeah. Mac, who knows who's on, but something needs to occur or I don't know, man. It could, you know, like it's just, it's complete chaos. And maybe it's because of the time of year. Maybe it's because, you know, it's December 3rd and we're all geeking out on the Vance pipeline masters coming up and it's the start of the North shore season and everything's heightened. You know, and maybe in March, the the whole thing goes away. I don't know. Well, for sure, you can find days. Like if you lived there, you can find days and swells and times of day where I'm sure you could still get it relatively uncrowded. But 
it seems like each year just gets worse and worse. And there's fewer and fewer of those. Um, just another note real quick on Lane. Incidentally, Stab Magazine, in the lead up to the Pipe Masters, posted a video about the women pioneers of Pipeline, basically. It was like an eight-minute clip, and they're interviewing uh, Kiala, Coco, Rochelle, Moana, and I think that's it, about um, who are the women they looked up to and who are the pioneers. Lane's name was not mentioned in that piece either. They did mention and interviewed actually Joyce Hoffman as being the first known female who surfed pipe. And she talked about the reason that she paddled out was she was walking down the beach and Bud Brown was filming. And he's like, Hey, how's your chance? Like you could be the first woman to surf pipeline and I will get it on video and we can just kind of cement that in history. And so Joyce paddled video. out, not video, right? Um, so Joyce paddled out and he shot it on his iPhone and uh, no, but the funny thing is they didn't show that they didn't show that footage. And that's something that a lot of the women talked about was the women that were like Rochelle. Yeah, there was women that came before me, but I never really saw their footage or their images because the magazines never published them. Even if there was photographers on the beach who got the photos, we never saw them. So in order for us to know which women were surfing pipeline, we had to actually show up and paddle out and see who it was and talk to that person. But there was no like, now we all know Moana's surfing pipe because information is shared readily. Back then, it, there was a lot of people probably laying among them who uh, you didn't know unless you were there. Yeah, I mean... It's unfortunate that the, the piece didn't include Lane, and um, I don't know why that is, but uh, overlooked for sure. Um, Doesn't it seem to be, though, that um, the surf world is always just regurgitated the same information over and over? Like, these are the five guys we like. They're going to go on all the trips. They're going to be in all the brands' advertisements. And there's a hundred equivalently qualified surfers and local rippers who just don't get the limelight for whatever reason. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, like I said, I brought Lane up because I saw her surfing every day. Yeah. You know, and frankly, I didn't see any other girls there on a regular basis. You know, now there might've been some girls down at off the wall and for sure there were some, you know, whatever, Gums or Akai or whatever, but yeah, Lane was dedicated, you know? Yeah. Totally. She was focused. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, moving on, did you want to talk Barbados or what you referenced it? Yeah, well, look. The big story or one of the scary stories is Parker Coffin almost losing his eye at soup bowls in Barbados. And um, look, the East Coast, the Atlantic Ocean is just firing, right? It's like all time. I happen to just, of course, Surfline had the, the, Barba- the soup bowls uh, cam on and I was watching it. I was super stoked. And I'm like, that looks like Kelly Slater. Like from pretty far away, I could tell. I'm like, I think that's Kelly Slater. Remember? And I texted you, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think I sent you a text. I'm like, I think I saw Kelly Slater just get a sick wave on an eight, you know. And sure enough, the next day, Kelly Slater's all over the internet surfing soup balls and scoring. Soup bowl, um, by the way. Soup bowl. Excuse me. And, you know, Parker Coffin sadly sort of got lurched on a ledge and thrown over to the falls and apparently smashed into the reef did smash into the reef with his eye i mean and it's pretty scary i'm actually watching footage of him right now coming out of the water i mean and it it is uh you know horrific where you uh, where do they have that footage watching it on stab they have the footage of parker's wipeout yeah they have him talking they have him coming out of the water just bleeding just like sort of semi-concussed and um have footage of him trying to come in you know, like I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm anxious to see that. Um, man, the photo he posted on Instagram is gnarly. I mean, it he's in a right, he's goofy footed, he's in a right, and he hits a ledge in the barrel and it kind of that uh super, super shallow. So there's you know, it's already a shallow spot, but where that ledge is, basically the bottom opened up. And he went almost on a dry reef, apparently face first. And it's just like a laceration from his brow down through his cheek with his eye in the middle that gets lacerated, just a full on, I mean, gouge plus scraping all around it. And um, it's gnarly. Hey, this footage on stab is is like right there. First person, like you're watching him come out of the water. Kids are running up to him. He's just like, Dower and down and like not sure looks a little dizzy he's in the shower now he's just like it's puffed and like you say this one whole side of his face is just gouged and you know super gnarly scary it's so gnarly it's gnarly when guys are that talented and they still get that jacked up now they got footage of him getting police escort to the hospital Wow. And they're in the they're in the car with him driving and they're shooting us. So anyway, uh, if you want to get the complete version straight from Parker himself, which this is, you go to stab. Don't listen to us. Well, I watched a bit of that footage from those couple of days, and um, that wave, first of all, just looks so incredible. 
it's it was bigger than I would want it for those days, but it just looks so rippable. Um, but it also doesn't look super easy to ride. Like it looks like it bends back at you and there's sections that you could see people like setting up for the barrel of their life, but it doesn't even like it's behind them a little bit, you know, and then the next section out in front, it's just hard to time it seems, but Kelly Slater has it so wired and you even see the locals like Josh Burke or there, there's a couple of Burke brothers, right? Well, I know um, there's Josh, right? Yeah. Okay. The Josh for sure. Another, yeah. Um, but like Josh, even he was mistiming it, not exactly reading it perfectly. And Kelly's just like so in sync with that wave. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we talked about it when Taylor Steele did his best surfing I ever saw. Right. Uh, right. Segment. I think that was on stab too. <clears throat> and it was just next level. And just, I, I just had a feeling. North Shore's flat and shitty winds, and it's pumping right now at Barbados. Something tells me Kelly's calling Sean Murphy and flying via waterways over to Soup Bowl. And sure enough, there he is in front of me as I'm watching the Surfline cam. Funny thing is, is that Surfline did like a little feature on it, and they don't ever mention Kelly. (laughs) And I think that there's some rights issues or something, but they show his waves from the cam that like the same waves that I must have seen. Yeah, You know, so it's like the cam view and it's pulled way back and you can kind of tell a guy's ripping, but you're not sure. You just get the sense that any like really good footage of Kelly that they had to, they had to put an embargo on. Well, that might have been it. Um, they said in their caption, they said, can you identify who this ripper is knowing that it was Kelly and wanting people to identify him? But I think that more importantly, they might have been protecting the influx of tourists showing up uh strictly due to the fact that kelly was there you know oh like they don't want to just like drive uh like like, fanboys just flying over from florida (laughs) i don't know about that maybe i could see kelly being i could see kelly being pissed like hey i'm here for the next week and you guys put me on blast and now i got a bail basically you know man there's probably some truth to that that's a good way to look at it um they become the paparazzi at that point, you know, rather than a partner. Um, But as, so as it relates to Kelly being not in Hawaii, you and I spent a lot of time speculating last week about why all those CT male surfers pulled out of the Vans pipe masters. And you even took that call from Eric Logan and Eric said it wasn't the WSL's mandate or anything like that. The surfers are welcome to compete in the event, but we just couldn't quite figure out why. Well, I've had some conversations with people that work with those surfers um, in the last week. And there isn't any one specific for just a second. So is it the case that they heard that these people who, you know, who, you know, heard our conversation and wanted to clarify, Um, how how did they decide to reach out to you? Yes. And no, yes. Some of it was that. And then some of it was just me asking people what's what, Uh you know, um, but yes, certainly some of it was that. Um, and so the the basic story is the Brazilians, Felipe, Idolo, Gabe, are in Brazil for two months, maybe three months, for the first time in a decade. They haven't had this much time off. The tour didn't have this much time off up until recently, but they haven't had this much time off uh, ever. 
And so they're enjoying that time off and they don't want to fly over to Hawaii, sit through the waiting period of a couple of weeks, especially with the way the forecast looks, and then surf a mediocre event and then fly back to Hawaii just before Christmas, go through all of that hassle. So they're just going to enjoy their time. By the way, there's not enough. Wait a minute. Why do you call it a mediocre event? Uh, I'm well, not saying it's not mediocre. I'm just wondering why you characterized it as a mediocre event. Swell, swell wise. Right. Okay. No, I don't mean the event itself, the production or anything. I just mean the swell. Right. Um, and so unless there was an incentive. So if there was a huge prize purse, that might get them there. If there was points that went towards a world title campaign, that might get them there or that would get them there. But there's no incentive, so they're just going to enjoy their time off. Um, what is Kelly, the amount of money? Don't what know. First place get. Okay, don't know. That's interesting. But 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 for those this guys, this seems like it. If you were Vans, you'd be like, "Hey man, let's blow doors on the WSL here," and because I don't think there's, um, I don't think it's any secret that there's a little bit of a rift between Vans and the WSL. And you would think that they'd go, hey, let's make it a hundred grand to the winner, seventy-five. Like, let's let's knock the shit out of this. Vans has got tons of money. They're they're fucking printing money. Well, they're having a rough rough couple of quarters currently, so they might. Everybody is. They got plenty of marketing dollars. Well, so even at a hundred thousand bucks, let's say, I don't think that motivates Gabe, Idolo, and Felipe. You're right. It's probably true. It's not enough money, you know. That's interesting. So, um. Then let's look at Kelly Slater. Kelly Slater, I think it it's exactly what we just saw. It's pipe sucks. There's no either the forecast sucks for pipe. It's overcrowded. I don't want to deal with what you know we were just discussing about Makana Pang. And Barbados is one of his favorite waves in the world. And he's going to try to score a once a dec once in a decade swell and he just made that decision that was all that came that was all that went into that decision for kelly john john i don't know john john's more of a question mark but it is probably some of all of that which is he's been plagued by injury i think last year he's probably overextended himself in terms of competing a lot and going full bore and he would like to focus on the world tour so he just came off of that win at Haleiwa. He's like, you know what? I don't need to do every single event that happens. I would like to focus my attention. I would like to not be injured next year. And so let me just kind of rein it in a little bit. So that could be John John's explanation. But from everybody that I spoke to, none of it was a WSL mandate. It was all just personal reasons that, and not enough incentive for the event itself. Which brings to light something that we touched on, which is just the name Pipe Masters, I thought had cachet. And I just don't think it does as much as we thought that it did, you know? Yeah, I mean, and certainly that's what the WSL is hoping for. And, um, you know, I, I interviewed Evan Slater and, he, you know, I talked to him about this. And he's like, look, it's the best surfers in the world surfing at Pipeline. You call it whatever you want, but, you know, at one point, I think it was called the Pipeline Masters, and then somebody got a hold of that in intellectual property, and they had to call it the Pipe Masters for like 15 years. And so Evan was basically saying, look, it's the Billabong Pipe Pro, you know, and the waves are pumping, and it's the best surfers in the world. So it's, that's kind of what the Pipe Masters is. Call it what you, you know. Yeah. In my eyes, when I watch the WSL's version, I feel like I'm watching the Pipe Masters. I really do. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I do too. Um, there was an opportunity to watch a better version of it because of the field that's able to compete in it. But unfortunately, we're not going to get that version of it this year. Um, the The other thing, aside from the name, is I just always thought that all of those top-level guys would do anything to compete in an event at Pipeline, to compete in one additional event at Pipeline where there was only three other people in the water. Up until right now, I thought that was a big enough draw to get Kelly or the Brazilians on a plane to come do it. Like Pipeline itself was the draw. And interestingly, I don't think it is as much as it once was. Um, I think it's more a business decision. I think it's honestly more of a business decision now than ever before. Um, I would agree with that. I mean, he's been surfing it for 30 years and scoring, so he's got no problem with that. Um, the fact of what we talked about earlier in the seg- in this uh, episode is how friggin' crazy it is. And there isn't, it's kind of a night, like you got to kind of put on your battle armor now, you know, yeah. that makes it, I can fly to Barbados and be scoring with six other dudes who are all high-fiving me and basically parting the waters when I paddle out. You know, there's all of these things, like as you mentioned. Well, through the conversation with Lane, I kind of came to the conclusion that, it's such a commodified wave now and all of so much of that crowd is has an equation running in their head of dollars and cents and the filmers are certainly thinking that way the surfers are hiring the filmers to then so they're thinking that way she was talking about a lot of the female surfers have quote escorts in the lineup you know like uh Ross Williams with was hired by Tatiana Weston Webb last year. And so he's out there blocking for Tati. So that's an interesting thing where it's kind of like pay Ross is a lo- pay to play, but also Ross is a local. Ross has got all the respect of anybody on that island or any surfers in that lineup. And Tati doesn't, but she's paying to have the it. respect. She and that's a proxy. And everybody else has to. Anybody who would say something about that probably shuts up because Ross gets a free pass. But if every other female is bringing an escort who, you know, there's going to be a version of that that doesn't get the free pass that Ross gets, that everybody's questioning, you know, so it's just it's a very, very strange dynamic. that That dynamic plays out everywhere around the world now, too. I was down in mainland Mexico at those points and locals would pull up with a carload of vulnerable adult learners, whoever, Canadians, whatever, you know, just trying to learn. And they send them straight out into the main peak takeoff area. These people don't have a clue what they're doing. And they've got locals, you know, whistling, cussing in Spanish, telling people to get out of the way and then pushing these people into waves. And it's just friggin' chaos. It's the same dynamic. It's pay to play. You, you get to now pay to have the years and years and years of hard work and focus that Lane Davy puts in at pipe and that you and I put in at our various, that other surfers around the world put in at their various spots. Now all you gotta do is pay the heaviest local and you're good. You're in. It's, it's, um, it feels like, it feels like Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing about that is I'm talking about the commodification of it 
the only reason Tati's doing any of that is because she has an event coming up a month or two from now, and that's the payday, you know? So it's just like, it's a part of this whole economic process that I, I, it's, I mean, you're right. It does happen around the world, but at pipes specifically, it's like the pinnacle of all of that, you know, it, it really yeah. it takes away so much of the, um, like I said, up until right now, those Brazilians would have gotten on the plane, paid their own way just for the opportunity to surf in that event with only three other surfers. It's not about that anymore. Like for people on that level, getting paid millions of dollars a year to surf professionally, it is not about that anymore at all. And I fully believe that they got into surfing because of the passion and they love it. But if you start earning a living off of your passion, it has the possibility of tainting and eroding the passion. And when the dollars are so great, it absolutely runs the risk of eroding the passion, you know, and the purity of what you're doing. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think we've seen that play out before. I mean, I know that on a much smaller level, I've seen guys that were super red hot juniors, you know, and were just, you know, had their dads on the beach, put them through all of the NSSA things, coached them up, and eventually just basically squeezed all of the stoke and all the purity that they knew to be surfing out of the uh, equation. And and they just ended up, you know, becoming like fisher got like, you know, they were bass fishermen totally. or what, you know, whatever it is. They just, they just were so turned off that uh, it's sad. They're stoked for the ocean and for surfing is gone. Well, right along this conversation, interestingly, Kelly Slater signed up to be on team Dehui for the backdoor shootout. Really? Just now you got that news? Um, Peter King reported it peter king's doing a podcast um and he mentioned it on that podcast team dahui who else signed is on up the team uh i don't i don't know uh but you know that's kind of it's interesting that he would sign seems up for off that, brand. But, seems off well, brand i don't i think it's on brand you know it's like yeah because whatever what i've said was true up until this year is still true to a certain degree. Like Kelly just wants to surf in an event and he's not, there's no outer known team. He's not going to put together an outer known team. He's not going to put together, maybe he could put together a firewire team or a Slater designs team, but um, for whatever reason he's on team to but it is interesting that he's agreeing to compete in that event. But I suppose he agreed to compete in the pipe masters as well. He just withdrew with one week's notice. So maybe he will withdraw from Dehui backdoor shootout as well, but it's interesting. Yeah. I don't think you withdraw. I think when you sign up for Dehui, you're in, it's kind of like the mafia. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he'll, and, well, the other thing is he'll be in Hawaii by that time anyways, you know? And so, and I'm sure he's planning to be there for months on end. So that'll align with his travel plans anyways. So it makes more sense. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Um, um, I got some interesting news that I know you're going to kind of throw up in your mouth a little bit. Okay. But it, I think Can't it wait. is no, I think it is noteworthy. And that is that the WSL had their first ever wave pool contest. It was a QS 1000. And the reason I think I say that it's noteworthy is that it's the first wave pool contest 
outside of Kelly Slater's, uh, Kelly Slater's surf ranch. So they did this in Australia, Melbourne at Urban Surf, a totally different technology than the one uh, that Kelly Slater uses. And that's why I think it has, it is noteworthy. It certainly is news, not noise regarding this. Well, somebody told me that they're putting together, they're outlining a full wave pool tour circuit. The WSL is? I don't know if the WSL is involved in it. Well, this is a WSL event. Yeah. So who won it? Interesting that they've moved away. I don't know. It was a QS, you know, 1000. So, you know, you might know their names, but how about uh, Jarvis Earl or Tully Wiley or Michael Clayton Brown? Tully Wiley. Tully Wiley competed. Tully Wiley (laughs) competed in the Bells event this year as a wild card. Oh, there you go. I believe goofy footer. Um, the Rip Curl Pro Urban Surf. Yeah, it happened, and uh, yeah, whatever. More, more to come, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I guess. Did you well, see that Surfer Magazine was purchased? I did. Yeah. I found that semi interesting, but also semi, eh, whatever. Well, let's know? let's partner that story up with Hurley. Uh, is set to purchase Billabong and Quicksilver essentially. So Blue Star Alliance, who purchased uh, Board Riders, that owns Billabong, Quicksilver, and all of the other subsidiary companies, is up for sale. They put the Board Riders up for sale, and the company that is slated to purchase it is the company that owns Hurley. So all of those brands will be under one uh, umbrella. If that sale goes through, I sent God, you the complete I, homogenization of the apocalypse of, of the surf industry. Like what, what would be the next step after this? They're all owned by the same company and you can, and you know what? Amazon buys this company. That's the next step. Totally. Or honestly, they wouldn't even want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but because they're is into it that curing, is it that curing group? No, no. Um, But uh, it's, I mean, it's interesting how quickly, like in our lifetime, in a matter of 15 years, maybe two decades, those companies, not even 15 years. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, Hurley, when they they were at the top of their popularity and fame, that was 10 years ago, maybe. Um, And in such a short span of time, they've gone from being the most influential brand in our space to um making beard oil you know yeah, and inflatable so inflatable unicorns for swimming pools and stuff like that i mean we've seen brands throughout the the history really of the surf soft goods industry i mean we saw we saw for instance hang 10 was cool and then it wasn't cool and then lightning bolt was the shit and then all of a sudden you could buy like lightning bolt underarm uh you know underarm deodorant and yeah. and it wasn't cool and op was pretty cool man and then op was not cool at all and you know the next i guess in line would be the, these ones that we mentioned quicksilver and billabong were super cool and then you know before you know it you and i are losing hundred dollars trying to i remember when we were on the air one time i'm like i'm buying quicksilver at 25 cents it's coming back and i think i bought a hundred dollars worth of quicksilver at 25 cents or whatever it was and I lost a hundred, but it was a good bet. Point is they weren't cool. 
And then Hurley was super cool. And then Hurley's not cool. And Nike was never cool. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always about, you know, the core. What's core? And right now, Florence is cool. Salty Crew is pretty cool, right? Um, what I don't even are those. Is that it? Neat Essentials. Oh yeah, thanks. Neat Essentials. Um, I mean, there are yeah, former. I think. I think. Like, I think O'Neill still. No, O'Neill and Rip Curl totally uh, still legit. Former, uh, I totally out of my demographic. I guess it's something. Um, uh, I just look at like shit I'm going to use, like wetsuits. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm buying elastic waistband shorts at Costco. You know what I mean? I don't care what the label says. In fact, they might be OPs. They might even be lightning bolt. They might be Dahui, actually. I've seen Dahui board shorts at Costco. Are they elastic waistband? <laughs> no, they are definitely oh. not. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting conversation for you and I because we just come from that era where those things were so... Um, we had allegiances, you know, and alliances yeah. with some of these brands and their team riders and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see it just go so again, corporate and commodified. Um, but there is another story. I don't know if you saw this stab reported that this email was leaked. It was an email that went out to the surfers about the seven changes that are happening on tour. And one of them I think relates to what we're talking about. Um, one of them uh, is that, you're not allowed to wear hats or hold bottles or cans with brands that are not sponsored, uh, that are not sponsors of the WSL on the award podium. So no more Red Bull hats or monster hats or any of that. And then the, another rule says you're not allowed to hold your boards in the post heat interviews on the podium. And so that's the one that I thought related to this and that you and I could talk about, which is those surfboard shapers, what did they ever do to you, WSL? All they've done is support you and the industry and your athletes. Like I understand not letting the Red Bull hat, you know, make it to the podium, but you got to let them bring their surfboards up. So no, no hats. Correct. At all. Well, unless it, it, no hats with logos of brands that don't sponsor the WSL. So if it's a Billabong event and you're a Billabong team rider and you're wearing your and Billabong no, hat, that's allowed. Okay. And no boards because they're afraid the other logos will be on the boards, like the Target logo or what, the Red Bull logo or whatever. Sure. Right. That's the, that's oh. presumably the idea behind that rule. But what I'd say, I think it's, I understand them wanting to protect their own interests, but again, surfboards, it's a surf contest. Like you have to let the surfer bring a surfboard. And one of the logos on that board is the shaper's logo. And I think that that's, the DNA of surfing and you cannot, you should not um, try to eliminate that DNA. You got to be, and you got to be respectful towards the shapers. The shapers are the ones who the industry is about. You know what I mean? <laughs> Look at this dog, dude. <laughs> Your dog is so chill, man. So the sweet. Just well, like, the cleaners just give me some loving. The cleaners are here. And so Lauren just opened the door and put Sophia in here with me and if I don't hold her, she might end up barking at the cleaners. So. Oh, no, no. Well, I don't know how to feel about this. I understand where the WSL is coming from. I do think if you bring your board up to get interviewed, you're trying to get your brand's logo in there for free. You're not really, you don't really care about the shaper that much. You're, and, and I would say this, if you care about the shaper during the interview, talk about how much you love your shaper. Let's, I don't care if they ask you, you know, what, 
you know, what, how come you caught that inside wave immediately go, my shaper Mauricio's unreal. He's been shaping out of San Diego for three decades. I'm so glad to finally see the sharp eye label getting tons of love. He deserves it. The guy's super good guy and he's a hardcore shaper and he surfs good. Thank you, Marcio. I mean, you, that's your interview. I don't care if they ask yeah. you what you had for breakfast. Good. <laughs> That'd be an act. That team writer, all team that's, writers should be that you know grateful. What? They should consult with me and that's the way it needs to be done or you don't get boards. Yeah, totally. Right, right I agree a soft with you. top. I agree with you. And I mean, the WSL, the commentators generally speak about the boards throughout the heats. Certainly Pete Mel does. So presumably they're not going to eliminate that as well but yeah no overt advertising on the podium is kind of what those rules are about speaking of surfboards i've heard some rumblings from somebody that's pretty close to the to all of it that there may be this thing called like the creator's cup which is similar to i think formula one does it okay and i don't know how formula one what they do exactly or what it's called but this creator's cup would be a thing where Somehow or another, we pay recognition, we give recognition to these shapers that are shaping these world champion surfboards, you know? Um, and again, that's kind of all I know. That's sort of top level. Uh, you know, I don't know much more than that, but I'm hearing that that might be something that, that occurs. So we can give these shapers some, some of their much, uh, you know, what they deserve. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. All right, David, I've got four things. Uh, the new year's coming up and I'm going to put you on the spot. I've got these. Um, I want you to give me predictions. Okay. And this is going to be on the spot. Um, you know, I know you don't have time to think about this. You didn't know this was coming, that this curveball was coming your way. So I'm going to say something and I want you to give me a quick prediction. Okay. Yeah. What pops into your head regarding what do you think is going to happen in 2023? When I mentioned Kelly Slater. Um, retirement is the obvious thing to try to predict, but I don't see him retiring. I don't see him finishing in the top 10 and I see him uh, sticking around for another year. Okay, fair enough. Do you, um, do you have a prediction? I mean, the, the, sort of the obvious prediction, you mentioned one of them. The other one is he, he goes back-to-back -back a pipe. Those are things that could happen, either a retirement or back-to-back -back a pipe or both. Um, I don't think that's happening because of the Olympics. I don't Correct. think he's retiring because of the Olympics. Yeah. Um, a, I don't see him going back-to-back -back a pipe either. Um, I would love to. I mean, if the waves are pumping and he did it again, it'd be the best storyline ever. But I really think that would be uh, statistically unlikely. And um, I don't see him like retiring without a mic drop moment. You know, like it would have been perfect for him to retire after that pipe win. And he was 50, like it was his birthday week. He was 50 years old. There were so many reasons that he could have and should have um, in my mind. But I don't see him having a pinnacle moment like that again this year. And especially with the venues on this year's tour. Um, Has he had his last pinnacle moment? Did if we see the, the waves? Best? If the waves are pumping at Chopu, he could win that event, you know? And so that would be another one. A top five finish, 
maybe in getting into finals day at lowers, that could be a moment for him. He wouldn't win finals day at lowers, but that could be a moment. Um, that segues into my next one. So my next one is the WSL finals day at lowers. What is your prediction? Brazilian will win it for the men. Um, and interestingly, they had a three-year contract at lowers and this will mark the third year. So it'll be interesting to see if they renew that to do finals day there again. I think the finals day they will continue to do whether or not it's at lowers. I'd be surprised if they renewed the contract to do it at lowers, I suppose. So my prediction is uh, Gabriel Medina specifically wins a world title on finals day and it is the final finals day at lowers. That's what I got. What do you think about Malibu as a finals day? I think it's a great venue for an event. I don't think it should be finals day. Okay. Caitlin Simmers, your prediction for 2023. Top five. Wow. Nice. Big wave surfing. I think she'll be there on finals day. Big wave surfing in 2023. One prediction. Somebody dies at Nazare. I'm not laughing because of the poor soul that's going to pass away. Just... It's morbid. I know. It's morbid. It's morbid. Uh, it's morbid. Okay. I know. But the again, compound the chaos that we've been discussing, the vowels in the lineup, the jet ski accident we saw there this last year. People are just, people are out of control, dude. There's no, there's way too much hubris. There's no respect for fellow you know, man and woman. So unfortunately, <laughs> okay. this might be the year. I, I'm going to, it's not going to be funny at all if it ends up being correct. It isn't. But anyway, that's all I got for now. Those are my ones I threw at you. Those are the curveballs. All right, good. I like that you're starting to think of the new year though. Yeah. All right. Well, look, um, we've said a I lot. Got, well, let me oh, say three got, more things. Well, just do. in in Webland, if anybody is still interested in watching surfing, um there's three <laughs> there's three epic epic video pieces that i would highly recommend um john john just posted one on his uh youtube channel yesterday it's called someone has to go and it's you know that crazy when the sandbar does that crazy double up thing did you see the it footage yet? no yeah. but i know what you mean yeah yeah it's where, crazy because below it's like, level and it's called frothy brown sandy yeah, it's below sea level, but the back of the wave is eight feet tall. The barrel itself is like three feet. You have to tuck into yeah. it, but the back of the wave is eight feet. Um, he's got that place so dialed. And even when he doesn't, even when he falls, he somehow doesn't get damaged or hurt. So it's a it's a video clip of that uh, that's well worth watching. Uh, Need Essentials yesterday dropped a new video with Lori Towner who I love. It's called Return to the Coral Sea. And then the big one is Noah Dean's um, Nosvid, I think is what it's called. But it's the video that Stab Magazine has been interviewing him and talking about him spending a hundred thousand bucks to produce kind of a magnum opus, hundred thousand bucks of his own money to produce this film. And um, they did a long form interview with him and he was talking about his accountant, like, dude, you cannot be spending this money. Like, this is not a justifiable thing. And Noah Dean's going, yeah, it is. It always, it was when I was growing up, you'd spend a bunch of money on this. You'd try to make the best part. 
And so he made, you know, a long form surf video for YouTube for free. And it is insane. And it reestablishes himself as one of the great free surfers in the world. So do you remember when you and I, was it you and I that tried to come up with a, a new word instead of saying sick all the time? I don't said, remember. Maybe it was my other co-host. I forgot. But we were like trying to get a new word established in the lexicon of surfing. And because we were sick of saying sick, like, oh, that was sick. Oh, that was sick. So we're like, what about nauseating? And we're like, yeah, it's kind of long. Why don't we just say nause? Like, and we were trying to get this word, like I say, established. So anytime we saw something that was sick, we go, oh, that was nause. And Perfect. I'm wondering if perhaps Noah Dean picked up on nause. Noah Dean was a podcast listener way back in the day. <laughs> or not, a, probably not even podcast, terrestrial radio. Yes, this well, this yes, this was on terrestrial radio. Exactly. Hey, Who knew he was getting that frequency in Australia? I was lucky enough as a Stab Premium member to get a a, a ballot to vote for Stab Edit of the Year, and of yeah. course, based on last week's episode where you and I spoke gleefully about Tori Meister's video edit, um, yeah. I selected Tori, and I hope he wins. Well, good. I um. It'd be hard to pick Tori over Parker Coffins, Kale Walsh's. Um, Do they Noah get tubed Deans. to Jaws? Do any no. of those guys get tubed to Jaws? No. Okay. Okay. So no. next, by the way, yeah. do they all do aerials just like Tori? Yes. Do they all get yeah. sick pits? Yes. Do they all charge? Yes. Did any of them get tubed to Jaws? No. Okay. Done. Make a compelling case. Done. Go ahead. Send them the dough. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And he rides bulls. You know, do any of them ride bulls? Do any of them get on the back of an angry bull that has a rope tied around their testes and just goes freaking crazy out into the bull ring? No, Tori did. I stand corrected. Good. When, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> By the way, check out my hat. What? Who's that from? Real Water Sports sent me this hat. It says, what does it say? Welcome to the Stoke Zone. Welcome to the Stoke Zone. I love this. Um, I know Real Water Sports. We are partnering with them to give away a surfboard this month, which we should mention. Uh, so for everybody who pays for a subscription to support our work, it's five bucks a month. You are entered to win. We will randomly select a winner on January 1st, and that winner can select any surfboard from realwatersports.com and they will ship it to you no matter where you are in the world. So listeners who are right now listening going, holy cow, that's a smoking deal. Good news. You could still get in on this deal. Just go to surfsplendorpodcast.com, click on the subscribe link, and uh, you could set up that subscription. As long as that comes in before the final minute of December, Pacific Standard Time, you will be entered to win it. Cool. And um, this reminds me that I should probably tell the listeners I'm going to be ramping up the boardroom podcast again at the beginning of the new year. So I'm just taking the holiday season off after the boardroom. I went to Nicaragua and I've just been kind of entrenched in doing nothing and being slothful and eating Haagen-Dazs. But I'm going to rebound back here in the new year with um, a bunch of episodes every two weeks of the boardroom podcast. Enjoy the time off. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Anything else? No, that's all I got. We're We've said a lot. Uh, look, David, until next time, adios and aloha. Aloha.
Singing, it must be Christmas. 